Welcome to The Devil's Advocate. I'm your host, David Ray. This is the show where I bring on a guest to debate a topic. Uh, They choose their side, and I take the other side, regardless of my true feelings on the matter, in the hopes that we get to the truth of the issue at hand. Uh, Today's episode, uh, I bring on Liam LaRue, and and we discuss uh, politics, and Canadian politics in particular, which is, to be honest, not my strong suit, Uh, along with many others. Uh, In fact, if we're not talking about Dungeons & Dragons, or Lost, or Puppets, Frankly, uh, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage, but that doesn't stop me from coming out swinging, and I do in this one as well. I think I do fairly well. Um, Of course, Liam, I appreciate uh, he has an extensive knowledge in this topic. I think it's kind of interesting. It's a longer episode, I know, but uh, I, I hope you enjoy it. And once again, before we get into this episode, I would like to remind my listeners that although this is called The Devil's Advocate... I am not on the devil's team. I am so opposed to the devil that I hope as he's sitting there in his office in hell, he's, he has these waves of ennui and he's just, oh man, I took the wrong career path. I shouldn't have done this. I should have become a high school English teacher like I always wanted to and inspire people. Oh, why did I choose devilhood, you know? That's how much I'm imposed to the devil, and that it just bothers him every day, and then he goes back to his wife that doesn't really love him. That's how much I'm opposed to him. And with that, let's jump into our episode with Liam LaRue. Uh, Stephen Harper is a terrible prime minister. <laughs> oh, well, that's... You know, despite the fact I have not voted for him, I think he's been the best prime minister we've had. So this is great. Well, why don't you lay it out? Why is he such a terrible prime minister in your mind? Very specifically, because he's irresponsible. It's the thing that bugs me the most. He talks about fiscal responsibility and a strong, steady hand on the tiller. And having a strong, steady hand on the tiller of the Titanic clearly heading toward an iceberg is that you don't want somebody who's that strong. You want somebody to be a little bit more flexible. And actually, you know, not being like Margaret Thatcher not turning. Sometimes the U-turn is the most appropriate move you can make. No, you want strong leadership, though. Something that, like, will stare down at Iceberg and say, we are going to go through. Do you know that the Titanic would not have sunk if they had gone straight through the Iceberg? But because they turned at the last minute, it, that's what sunk it. If they had gone straight through it, it actually would have been fine. And that's true, and that's why I stand by Stephen Harper. As he's just plowing us right through this Iceberg. I don't think you quite understand how icebergs work. No, it's true. It's the way that... Look, we're getting off point. (laughs) We're not arguing Titanic. I just know that it is true that we just need to plow right through this iceberg, which is an economy that's about to go off the rails. Uh... Because we're going to be fine. We're going to come out the other side. We're Canada. We're we're the underdog. No, Canada is like a, a frightened rabbit staring at a bear of Russia on one side and a pack of wolves in America on the other side. And yeah, Canada's a little bit mean. We have a switchblade, do you know? But it's still not enough. We're not primarily using our knife to yeah, get into fights. and that's kind of the problem with Stephen Harper. He's the rabbit going, yeah, but I have the switchblade, and I really want to use it. 
I want to show people what I can do. He's with like, them. I'm a badass too. You're like, no, Stephen Harper. No, you're not. He doesn't understand what he's doing. He doesn't understand his role in the world. He stood up to Russia. I don't know if you remember this. When he, in the, like, Mr. Putin, you've got to get out of Ukraine because, like, he's trying to be an old Ro tiny Ro Ronald, Re Ronald Reagan, that's who he's trying to be. Yeah. Tear down this wall, you know? Yeah. He wants that moment. And don't, he, look at what he's doing. He can wear a cowboy hat very effectively. He knows which ways, which, as we've discovered, is very important for politicians to wear their cowboy hats correctly. And I think it shows that he wants to make, Canada, uh, a world player that, like, you don't mess with Canada anymore. Yeah, but Stephen Harper's a cowboy like George W. Bush was a cowboy. Which is, like, a film cowboy. Which is cool. Like, if you're an actor. Except the, the Prime Minister is a different job than acting in movies. They're both very difficult and demanding jobs, but they have completely different responsibilities. The Prime Minister has a set of tasks that need to be completed, and he doesn't like them. He doesn't do them. What, he, what, what does he not do? Well, he's not addressing the problem of broken treaty promises with Native Americans that is going back decades. And sure, other prime ministers haven't dealt with them either. But meanwhile, he's incredibly concerned with a lot of stuff that's happening overseas that he continues to insist is a threat to us. The, the more he bombs them, the more legitimately they do become a threat to us. It's like throwing rocks at a wasp's nest and then going, well, the wasps are a threat. Well, they are. Have you not seen the show 24? You see how much danger we're in all the time. Now that we have like a global kind of like the interconnectivity of the internet has brought the world to our doorstep. Yeah. The only thing we had to be worried about before was the states. Uh, and as long as we were nice to them, there was never going to be any issues. But now that we're so interconnected, we can start Twitter wars. <laughs> we, there's, there we can send out YouTube videos and we can see all these things. And there is potentially threats all over the place. And Stephen Harper is, uh, is the, uh, like, I mean, look at his hair. It's like a helmet. He's ready for war. And that's why I want to stand by him, because there's threats all over the place. Uh, think about it. Well, yeah, don't, there's totally threats all over the place. I mean, you and I both live in a city that has an environmental catastrophe happen annually for five to eight months at a time. And it's brutal. And the death toll every year, because it turns a, a normal road system into a skating rink that people drive on like it's still a normal road system. But that's not up to and Stephen what I, Yeah, no, it's not up to Stephen Harper, but it's a more legitimate threat <laughs> than a, a bunch of yahoos that hate America but constantly use YouTube and Twitter. Like, they're so prolific on YouTube and Twitter. You notice how, like, they'll never bomb San Francisco. They're, they're, like, they're never threatening San Francisco because that's where all their servers are to get their, you know... <laughs> To get all their video yeah. YouTube videos out. Like, it's, you know, I no, I get that it's frightening to see people having their heads chopped off. I, that's an awful thing. They're awful people. They're mm -hmm. clearly bad people. It's just that their capability to be bad people to us isn't as dramatic 
as Stephen Harper is continually claiming it to be, and the amount of money that he wants to spend to protect us from the not serious chance of being killed by them, compared to the amount of money that the federal government is continually unwilling to spend on transportation infrastructure across the country, so that you have people contracting bridges out to mafia con construction companies in Montreal, those collapse, dangerous. Well, I mean, I, you have to make cuts somewhere. But here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta make cuts. You have to make the hard decision. But here's the thing. Notice how much money he's pouring into the defense of this country that uh, he, there has not been a, a single attack. So there you go. It's like one of those things. As soon as the money stops going into it, that's when all the attacks start happening. This is like Stephen Harper taking claim or credit for steering Canada through the 2008 stock market crash based on policies that previous governments put into place that he argued against and definitely would have like deregulated the banking industry to the point that we would have suffered from the same problems cuz like the stock market is clearly a game like it's obviously just an incredibly elaborate roulette wheel it's like it's like a real life version of stock ticker Sure. <laughs> sure. But you still, in any game, you have some kind of rules, right? And if you have rules that are... Like, if you are a gambler and you enjoy roulette and you mm. think, this is great fun, I want to spend a lot of money on it. Fine, fine, fine. But if you knew that somebody was pressing a pedal with some kind of weird magnet that was fucking with the operation and you're like, no, I still, I still think I can beat it. It's... Do you know it's retarded. You wouldn't want to organize you know, if the a system game like works, that. Then you work that system too. You know that's no. You know, that, if you, if you know if you know how they they cheat at the game, then you can use that to your own advantage. Yeah, that's the kind of logic that introduced the idea of a wrestler pulling out, uh, you know, a wrench to you know to use on their opponent. Yeah. But we're not playing a scripted theatrical sport for the amusement of spectators. This is the economy that affects the lives of actual human beings that live in the country. Shouldn't we have more respect for the people that live here? Including the people that lived here long before this government moved. You know, because there were people living here for thousands of years. We should establish culture, mm -hmm. system of trade, series of languages to communicate with each other. And a bunch of new people moved over and like, right, new rules. Uh, everything's changed. We've got uh, these. These are the rules. And uh, they're all written down in this cabinet in this city far away from where you live. But we still have police officers telling you what to do. All of the time. And yeah. if you don't follow the rules, it's all your own fault. There's obviously social consequences to that sort of thing. Well, that's that's fair, but that's still not up to Stephen Harper. Look, you're getting off there. What do you mean it's, it's not it, up to Stephen Harper? Harper? It's specifically but his responsibility to take care of no, that. He's continuing a long tradition of people ignoring it. Why should he be the one that has to fix all these issues, you know? Why can't he just pass that off to, you know, Thomas Mulclair? You know, like, let him deal with it when he becomes prime minister. That, Stephen Harper doesn't have to deal with those issues. And, in fact... What, he's dealing with the issues that matter to me. He's not going to put out a Netflix and YouTube tax. Think about that. Remember? 
he he made that awkward uh, commercial. He didn't even bother spending a lot of money on writing a good commercial. He just said that we're not going to have a tax anymore on Netflix. But they do spend a lot of money on the commercials, which goes back to the fiscal responsibility thing that he always claims to be uh, on the side the, of. Remember all those commercials for the economic action plan? Uh, so uh, it seems like he has a thing going. Remember all those commercials telling us everything was great? Yeah, so what you're saying is that it is fiscally responsible to spend a whole bunch of money on advertising to say you're great, but not to well, say to we spend know? the money and resources to just actually be great. Wouldn't it be better if Stephen Harper worked on actually being great, actually doing his job, rather than gallivanting and writing pretty interesting books about hockey? I mean, granted, it's a pretty interesting book about hockey. Stephen Harper, you did your research, and I appreciate that, but could you not have maybe concentrated on doing your proper actual job, the thing that you were paid for? Well, that you asked a hobby. For? You want to take his hobby away? Come on now. Let him have his hobby about write, writing hockey books. Let him, like, go out there and, and, and no, make... A book, a book like that isn't a hobby book. Do you know? It takes time and effort and dedication to research in that kind of detail and put something like that together. Which, granted, I wouldn't mind if he was doing his job properly. Like, if he was doing his job properly and then did this extra credit project, it was like, here you go, teacher, here's my extra credit. And no, you'd be like, okay, but that's you gotta great, that's good. But he neglected all of his other schoolwork. To do the extra credit. To do the extra credit. And but he's like, here you go, teacher. But you didn't come to any of the classes and you didn't do any of the actual assignments that we gave you. Look, maybe if this was some other country, but you forget that Canada is uh, close the heart of hockey. You, it's, it's a part of a cultural tradition that if he did not address hockey, I think there's something severely flawed in a prime minister. Perhaps who not he should have looked for the hockey. job as commissioner of the NHL. And they would because I think he would have been a great commissioner of the NHL, to be honest. Because they're business-tastic. They're businessy. They love their business all over the place. They're just business all over. Well, and th think, under the uh, rule of Stephen Harper... We now have the Winnipeg Jets back, which I mean, right there, that is that's bringing back some hope. You're, to the, the you're most... giving Stephen Harper credit for bringing the Winnipeg Jets back to Canada. He didn't stop them, so that's your standard for a prime minister. Yes, the the blatant prime incompetence, but not standing in the way of the business operations of a major multinational corporation. Yes. That's a good standard to go. Look, Stephen Harper makes decisions. He brings in, uh, he, he allows businesses to run however they like. He's trying to make us like the states and think of how many popular businesses are in the states and how well they run everything down there. You know, it's not like they've had problems down there. We just want to be like America great, not Canada great. Sir, your logic appalls me. It's disgusting. Why don't you want to be like America? Think of how many great movies come out of America. If we are more like America, we'll make great American-like We films. don't have to be like America. Why America not? is like America. Because America is America. We don't need more Americas. They're fine. I love America. They do great work in space. If they did more of their work in space and less of their military work on 
the planet that we live on, that we all depend on the planet for our living, I would think America was even better. But we can, we, I already said, we're a different country. We're, we're different than America. We're different than Russia. We're sandwiched in between the two of them. And we're kind of like a mutant rabbit squirrel beaver kind of hybrid. We're like a bunch of different kind of rodents all mixed together in a weird kind of genetic experiment that hasn't gone completely wrong but looks both disgusting and constantly fascinating. See, you 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 it sounds like you do not appreciate Canada that much. Look what at are you how, talking about? I just described red- us as a magnificent genetic experiment. But twisted and evil. Like I, no, not evil. I didn't say evil. I said twisted. <laughs> Like, we're obviously fucked up. We're obviously, like, a messed up nation with a lot of social problems. And that's not wrong. There's lots of countries with a lot of social problems. We do a lot of things fantastically well. Do you know? I think our immigration policy is way better than the United States. Immigrants are amazing. You know, unless you're an Indian, I get how, and I mean by Indian, I mean Native American. Uh, you know, they, I can see how, from their perspective, you could be an anti-immigrant person, right? From their, from their, from their perspective, you might be like, but they often don't, they're often like just incredibly welcoming, except for the fact that, well, you know, they, like they're, they're badly treated. They're like, it's like they're like an actual welcome mat. Hmm. Right. And that, I just, I think that's, you know. It's just that he's not doing his responsible job of renegotiating problematic legal agreements that are serious and mean something and continuing to ignore it. Because sure, other prime ministers ignored it. But that's the thing, the continuing to ignore it, especially as so much new information has come to light, which he has learned about. He does know about it. Don't pretend, Stephen Harper, that you don't know what's going on. Well, oh yeah, analyst. and that cowboy hat. You're from Toronto. Don't like. But he loves Alberta because look at how much research he put into uh, learning how to put on a cowboy hat. Right, <laughs> unlike Rachel Notley, who did not, who li- who is the premier of this province and doesn't know how sure. to do. That's, how, oh yeah, no, you, you don't want a grown-up responsible person to be the, your political leader. Why would you want the person who, uh, when the prime minister of the country says your government is a catastrophe, and you respond with, that's inappropriate, Stephen Harper. Inappropriate, sir. Well, you got to remember, the, the prime minister is above the premiers. He's better, so he knows when a uh, catastrophe is. Say, th- think of like the last several years of uh, Harper being in control. He knows a catastrophe when he sees one, and he can identify it so well. Well, I don't think he's actually identifying the catastrophe that he's causing. Well, I mean, he has the worst performance for jobs since this before the Second World War. Like the Great Depression back, back in the in great, the twenties is the last the time job yes. performance by a Canadian prime minister was that poor. And think of how strong it made that generation of people to work through a Great Depression. 
now Stephen Harper is just trying to take us back to the, he's like seeing these millennials who are just weak and not, you know, they they don't like challenges. So he's like, well, let's plunge this economy right near the bottom. So that way it's like they have to work to dig themselves out and that it will be better. It, it will make a stronger generation. He is, he's taking it us from weak little puppies and kittens and turn us into strong wolves like America, just like you said earlier, right? We want strong wolves to go out and, you know, look, think of the European Union. They're just getting all together. Why don't we make a whole North American Union? You know, that way we can keep up with this, uh, you know, uh, amalgamation of countries. You know? I do Why not join up with America? Do you mean... Get rid of the border between America and Canada and fully secede to their system of government. I mean, and Stephen Harper is already moving us in that direction to become more American. So he's like right now, because of Stephen Harper, we have uh, somebody who's George Bush. While there's no George Bush in America, he's kind of like holding it all together until Jeb finally takes the presidency. And then we're back into what we all want more Bush-like uh, leadership in North America. And Stephen Harper is doing his due diligence to be that strong conservative voice that everybody desires in North America. If, even if they don't say it, they know that it's true. They need it. They know that it keeps the whole country going strong when we uh, give all of our rights to the businesses, let them do whatever they want, you know? But how has that worked so far in that it has created a generation of millennials that are incapable of developing new skills because they've been told they need to specialize into specific industries that are unsustainable from a resource standpoint. And nobody is willing to do the necessary work to do the re-education programs. Well, we gotta be uh, dependent on oil. Look, look, the less oil there is, the more expensive it is. And so thus, we are, li and since we are living on a whole bunch of oil, you know, we gotta take advantage of that. We, we are, it's increasingly- Wouldn't it be better to take advantage of the oil by extracting it in a responsible manner and making sure that we got more benefits. And obviously this is something that Rachel Notley is working on. And the accusation of, you know, or the, the suggestion or the threat, because it's also kind of a threat that certain business leaders took that we can invest other places, is funny to hear because yes, you certainly can, but there are resources here. Yeah. So you, like, if you want to extract them, you have to come here. Do you know? Yes. Right. <laughs> There's the can't like they they, they it's uh, you, they're uh, negotiating a deal that is acceptable to all parties. It's absolutely possible. Com like compromising for all sides. What is this old Canada? No, I'm talking about new Canada. This the strong bold direction that Stephen Harper is leading us is into a place where it's like no, we give interest to those who already have the most money. 
what are what are we some sort of socialism uh, so socialistic country no we are moving towards hardcore capitalism like like all the uh, great American movies have told us is good. Uh, so sure, sure. Except that if capitalism was an actual real thing that happened, especially in America, then uh, the invisible hand that had guided such a long list and diverse list of large companies over a cliff due to massive levels of incompetence would not have received a massive socialist bailout. Pure corporate welfare. You know? How can you be so opposed to socialism and then go straight to the big bucket of socialism and start shoving socialism all over these large corporations? Well, because corporations are people too. So why shouldn't they not get uh, okay, welfare? So if corporations are people too, why shouldn't people get social welfare? Well, because there's more people in a corporation. There's more people in a corporation. So thus, they, they clearly need the welfare. You're just one person. Why should I be giving you welfare when I could give it to, you know, Walmart, who has so many people working for them? You know, like, that's who you want to give your welfare to, is to the 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 uh, corporate individuals. Well, okay, if you were giving that welfare to those large corporations, why, uh, why could you not simultaneously insist that those large corporations pay a minimum standard of wages to ensure that people were then able to afford the necessities of their existence, such as shelter. Because food. this is not communist, communistic Russia, that's why. Okay. But communism didn't work. I'm not talking about communism, I'm talking about paying people properly, which is apparently capitalism. Paying people properly? Yes, that's capitalism. It sounds like, well, I, I don't a, think... There's a game based upon it called Monopoly, where all you have to do is go around in a circle, and you get 200 bucks. Everybody gets a minimum of 200 bucks a week. A you want to live in a world where you could also just land on a thing that sends you straight to jail? I don't think so. That I don't want to live in that kind of world. I want to live in a world where, uh, uh... Okay. Corporation, by you working hard... The corporations are going to pay you well, you know? No, that's when true. When you're not being paid well, you, it's because you don't work hard enough. You and I do live in a world where we're not going to automatically land on a space that sends you directly to jail. I don't want to live in a world where black people and Mexicans are always, always given dice that end up with them landing on the spots that sent them to jail. Because... It's a preposterous situation to create an economy based on sending people to jail where they can work for even way cheaper than minimum wage to expect those people to then come out and not be incredibly resentful and damaged by this system that's clearly giving them the wrong dice. Why would you want to perpetuate and allow that to... Why would you want to create a situation where... Because of your skin color, you're automatically landing on the go directly to jail space. That's obviously going to create social problems that are going to be way more expensive. Way more expensive. So in the interests of fiscal responsibility, why would you not want to ensure a system where nobody's going to automatically land on the go directly to jail point? 
Well, if you don't have those automatically go to jail points, how are people going to get super rich? You know, you need to get super rich however you can. And so that means uh, allowing for the possibility that other people will have to be super poor. So you can be super rich, right? You know, let's start sending people to jail and get cheap labor out of them. Let's privatize all the jails. Why not? You know, this is, this is Steve, this is the kind of, uh, this is the kind of cutting edge thinking that has made America, uh, what it is. And, and, and I think Stephen Harper is taking some cues from the States to, yeah, let's, let's do what we have to do in order to make sure that corporations are getting a bunch of money. Uh, we need to, you know, make a, widen the gap between the poor and the rich. Because now, if you became one of the super rich, you too could have all this money. If you just work hard enough. Look, I work hard enough that working harder to make more money is just going to take more time away from the activities that need to get done. But if you're suggesting that simply having more money will allow you to escape... Is, is a misunderstanding of the nature of a planetary system. We live in a closed system. There's no Elysium. There's no colonies on Mars. There may be, with diligent, coordinated efforts, proper research stations, and mining operations in the asteroid belt that will accrue wealth for the corporations that are able to organize these adventures. But there's no, like, colony that we're going to escape to as a species. So we have to we're take not care of this going right anywhere. So even the incredibly wealthy people are still dependent on, uh, you know, on clean water, fresh air, being able to circulate naturally throughout the planet. And they, they, there's no escaping from that. You can be the worst human being in history. Stalin still had a cup of tea in the morning. Dick Cheney still drinks some, he probably drinks instant coffee. I don't, I, like when you shoot your friends in the face on hunting trips and then those friends apologize to you for the terrible inconvenience of having your face in front of a gun. Yeah, yeah. you should know better. Right. So, you know, and I'm not suggesting that Stephen Harper is Dick Cheney level evil. I'm suggesting that Stephen Harper is incompetent. And it's not, I don't mean this disrespectfully. Lots of people are incompetent at their jobs. I once worked in a welding shop. Yep. Now, this was, to everybody's evidence, the worst job in the world for me. Yeah. Stephen Harper is like me working in a welding shop. He mm. thought it was a good idea when somebody offered them the job. He's like, yeah, no, I've got a lot of enthusiasm. I can do this. He was wrong. There's no shame in that. There's other things that Stephen Harper can do with his time. I think he, I, th I would like to see more of Stephen Harper's writings. I think he could devote so much more time to his research and his books. And he could do something better with his life and we in turn can have a better prime minister that likes the job that likes the government that likes the rules of the canadian government and wants to do a good job in a, a difficult job it's difficult 
Absolutely. Well, and I rather go with a prime minister who is not unlike me. I'm incompetent too. And don't you want to have a guy who's in control, who uh, barely understands what's going on, who's just making decisions, uh, no, thinking about right now, who cares about the clean air and water about tomorrow for future generations? We're going to be dead by then. I'd rather, let's make decisions now to make us rich now for the people who are able to get riches because they already have the riches. Let's live in that world. It promotes people to like want to work hard in a situation that is so incredibly difficult. And you know, this is why we need to have people. It's because of this podcast that, uh, you know, Stephen Harper can now hear that there are people who are dangerous like you, and you can now be thrown away in jail because we have evidence. And you, who knows? Bill C51's coming in, and now we can uh, get rid of all the uh, riffraff. So I'm submitting this to the courts. You'll probably be arrested. Thank you very much, uh, Liam. It's been great. I win again. I win again. Woo! Harper! 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 I want to thank Liam for coming onto the show and being such a graceful loser. Uh, as he saw, he clearly lost. And I ho- wish him the best of luck with his future legal issues if Stephen Harper becomes Prime Minister again. Uh, and I would also like to stand by my point at the beginning there with the Titanic. It would not have sunk had it just gone straight through. <laughs> uh, there, there is something to that because uh, the way it turned, it cut off uh, into a lot of the compartments on the side and it flooded way faster than it would have had it gone straight into it. And if it would have gone straight into it, yeah, it may have still sunk, but it would have sunk a lot slower and uh, there would have been a better chance that more people would have been rescued uh, or it may have even survived. But, you know, uh, that's just me knowing about Titanic and not so much about Canadian politics. Uh, If you'd like to follow Liam on Twitter, you can at Ottawa Hughes, O-T-T-A-W-A-H-U-G-H-E-S. And you can follow myself on Twitter at the Dave Ray. Uh, You can find uh, all sorts of updates, especially of the Edmonton Fringe Festival and the shows that I'm in. Uh, that is going on through August 13th to 23rd. Once again, those shows, YEG, D&D, and Thunderprov. Uh, and I hope you come check those out. They're, they're going to be a lot of fun. And finally, one last plug. You can go to northerncontentnetwork.com and you can find other podcasts uh, from the city, including the 30-Minute Week, which does a much better job of covering politics than uh, what I could. And in fact, if you listen to their last one on August 3rd, you can find uh, their, their mulling over the uh, uh, Canadian political leader debates that they had with the McLeans, and they, they cover all aspects of who they, they thought did better in different topics and interesting points from it. So you can go check that out at northerncontentnetwork.com. With that, we'll see you next time, and I would like to remind my listeners that I'm not the devil. It's just that you happen to hear the words I said in this episode. Mm-hmm.